Hey, welcome to the Host of Email Podcast Show. It's hard work, dedication. Hi, welcome to the Host of Email Podcast Show. And today my guest is Brendan Elvis, President, Founder of APRA. Brendan has always had interests and questions about paranormal after tragically losing two brothers, one to cancer, the other to suicide, starting with a few friends using standard tools and procedures. He realised many mistakes commonly found when investigating the paranormal. This motivated him to propagate a team specialising in many fields and to develop new methods, not only reliable but convincing, introducing scientific approach and naming his team American Paranormal Research Association, aka APRA. This new approach, along with his leadership and editorial skills, has propelled APRA becoming a highly respected name. Highly respect recognised name. His hard work, dedication and passion to his science are greatly respected, often allowing APRA to investigate in areas normally closed off to others, pioneering fundraisers and special events. He along with his team provide participants and insight into paranormal, within proceeds go to preservation of historical structure. His determination to find cold artifacts to prove or disapprove makes APRA what it is today. So, Brendan, can you tell me what inspired you to go into the paranormal? Yeah, you know, in, in 1995, I lost my oldest brother to cancer, and in 2004, uh, I lost another brother to suicide. Uh, so that kind of sent me on my journey into the unexplained and trying to prove an existence of a life after death. Uh, you know, I had to learn about death at such a young age. I had to really uh, think about, is there a possibility of a, a life after death? Is this something, uh, do we go on? You know, so uh, being that young and having to, you know, think about death and uh, realizing that, you know, life is very short on this earth, I started reading everything I could get my hands on associated with ghosts and hauntings. And, uh, uh, from there on, I started looking at the common mistakes uh, that were, you know, happening within the paranormal field, and I wanted to really take a scientific approach. So I started to uh, comprise a panel of professionals from various technical industries. Uh, but it all goes back to the death of my brothers, and uh, you know, having to think about do we go on after death? Do, well, during your scientific approach, do you uh, t- give me an example of how you would go about like a normal investigation? Well, you know, we've been very lucky to have uh, Dr. Harry Clore involved in our organization for uh, a number of years now. Uh, Dr. Harry Clore is the only person in history to receive two PhDs simultaneously in any discipline. So when he came on board, he really uh, brought the logistics, uh, the, the rationalism, and uh, trying to keep us true to scientific principle. But, you know, what it really comes down to is when we go to a location, we are there to observe 
observed and reports. Uh, we go in and we monitor the environment of a location and we base everything off of the data that we collect. So we go in and use various pieces of technology. Uh, we monitor that location to see if there's any uh, unusual readings and we base all of our conclusions after the investigation. So really what it comes down to is just we're there to observe and report. Do you, um, when you do your scientific bit, do you uh, do you keep the material raw, or do you enhance it in any way? We always keep it raw, at least the core data. Uh, sometimes if we have something that we think to be unusual, say for instance a, a EVP, an electronic voice phenomena, we might enhance that in some way. But for the most part, we keep everything as raw as possible, uh, so we're able to reference that data later to try and correlate that with other locations. So I think keeping the data raw is very important but sometimes if we want to kind of dig deeper into it we might enhance things at times but uh, we definitely keep all the data raw and we store it that way I see that you like to uh, keep preservation of historical sites how do you go about doing that well, you know, one thing that we've done over the years is that we've uh, hosted events with very various historical societies and, uh, and historical locations where we go in and we work with the historical society or the museum, and we put on an event where all proceeds benefit the historical restoration of the location. So uh, not only do we document the location's history and make that available to people that are curious from a historical standpoint, but also from the paranormal, uh, but we allow access to these places that people really aren't allowed into and that money that people pay to access that location and investigate it all goes back to the location to keep it alive for future generations what is the weirdest or strangest thing that's ever happened on investigation that's a tough question (laughs) there's been a lot of really strange occurrences uh i would have to think back to a time where i was at the uh the Heritage Junction Park in a place called Santa Clarita, California, uh, in Southern California here. Uh, It's a collection of seven historical buildings that have been brought to one location. And I was standing in what's known as the Newhall Ranch House. Uh, And it was, you know, the sun was just going down. We were about to prepare for our investigation. I was standing in the kitchen area looking out the window and all of a sudden I heard clear as a day a woman walk up behind me and say why don't you go outside and it was so clear and present I thought it was someone associated with the, the historical society I turned around and there was no one there not only was no one there there was no one in the building and there was no one outside of the building so that's one that really pops out in my mind is something that was so clear and I definitely thought it was a person that uh, you know that kind of sticks with me I see that when you on your bio you like to be very multi-talented like you say, you write, you direct, you do quite a few things. What so when you write, do you write like scripts, or do you write, or do you, are you an author, or what way do you write? Well, you know, I write a little bit of everything. You know, I've never done any type of uh, books or novels of any anything like that. I've done scripts. Uh, I write a lot of nonfiction stuff, mainly history. Uh, I write TV shows. Uh, I've written a few uh, short films as well. Uh, but mainly nonfiction, just kind of uh, taking history and making it consumable uh, for the you know for the general public. Really taking lost pieces of history and making that something that would be of interest to uh, you know the average consumer. So I love history. I love preserving history, and I love writing about history and making it something that people can enjoy. 
what do you what is your personal belief uh, what what ghosts are you know I, I think in my own personal belief the jury is still out I think uh, you know years of research is gonna you know keep me looking for that answer but um, I'd like to think that it's some form of energy that lasts you know, be that in an intelligent sense or residual sense but there is some form of phenomena that seems to be associated with people that inhabited these locations before us and these events that led to their death or the events that were part of their life seem to stick around in a way and what that is i'm not quite sure as you know you know you see a lot of investigators going into a place and they say a place is residual or it's intelligent i think it goes a lot deeper than that i think that in reality you go to a zoo when you go to a zoo you don't say you're there to see a bunch of animals you say i'm here to see a, a tiger a lion monkeys i think the paranormal field needs to be looked at in that regard as well to where we need to really get into the depth of this type of phenomena what is the phenomena what's the history associated with it and what exactly are we dealing with do you find that some of your um, ghost sightings or reports happen on ley lines? You know, I have noticed that that is a common phenomenon. Yeah, there has been uh, multiple locations that do have ley lines running through them. Funny enough, I live in a place called Ventura, California, but I live not far from a city called Ojai, California, which is very well known for ley line activity. And it's ley lines that are almost identical, they say, to Sedona, Arizona. And it's, and it's a very mystical place, uh, a place of spiritual healing, a place that people journey to, to to get better in ways. So ley lines definitely are a part of paranormal activity and can enhance it, and I have noticed that being a trend. Because I, I um, started in the world of cryptozoology, Every time I used to look up things uh, to do cryptids or big cats or UFOs and things like that, it used used to be on like a ley line area. It's not that's not a scientific report. Obviously, this is just my what I found. But um, I found that there is a there's a lot of connection between the paranormal world and cryptozoology sometimes. Because um, Bigfoot, for example. It's supposed to have paranormal powers. Right, right. I've heard that before, you know. And I haven't really gotten to a lot of the cryptozoology side of the paranormal field, but uh, I have heard a lot of theories that are associated with uh, the crypto side of things. But, you no, know, from my knowledge, I'm more of, uh, you know, ghosts and hauntings and looking into that specific side of things. Do you think that people get confused between bad ghosts and demons? I know that demons exist, but I don't think they're as abundant as people think they are. I agree 100% with that. Uh, I think a lot of times, especially with film and television and, and books and whatnot, like we were talking about earlier, uh, people have this stigma associated that they think because there's a bad entity or a ghost, they automatically think it's something demonic. Uh, obviously, I think that there are that type of phenomena out there. There are demonic type of entities, but I think it's way, way rare, and it's something people don't come across very often. But I do think that you can have a nasty ghost, and you can have a negative entity that's not demonic in any way, shape, or form that you know some people would attribute to be that. Uh, now, I know that you do a lot of posting on YouTube. How do you find that 
do you find YouTube has got slightly a bit more restrictive of what you can do? Yeah, you know, you know, it's been a while since I posted stuff. I mean, it's the platform at one time years ago was very, very great, very useful, could really reach an audience. Uh, if you had a specific type of content, especially paranormal stuff, uh, you, we would get 100,000 views on a video. But it seems that as of late with YouTube, it's been really restrictive when it comes to... Uh, no censoring per se, but uh, they really are cracking down on the number of people that view certain channels, and that's you know a stark difference from five years ago. So you know we've really moved a lot away from YouTube because of that, because it seems to be restrictive and almost censoring the amount of people that are able to see our content. But yeah, I have seen, noticed, and seen that it has been restrictive as of late. Do you post a lot of your content on Facebook, or do you do a blog? Of any kind? Yeah. You know, Facebook's, you know, really an easy way to reach people now. Uh, we have a, you know, a nice, uh, you know, Facebook page that has a good following, and uh, it seems to be easier to reach them there than, than YouTube these days. So, it's mainly ran through Facebook as well as our website. What made you come up with a name for your uh, organization, your paranormal group? You know, uh, it, it was something that just came to me during an investigation one day, uh, funny enough. You know, I, I wanted to have a name for the organization that was very official, something that uh, would show people that we were very serious about the research. So uh, we were working with people all around the country at that time. So I thought, you know, let's go ahead and make this a national organization and uh, really make this, instead of a, uh, a society or uh, organization, an association, because we work with so many people throughout the country and each one of our members uh, works with other groups as well or works on their own research so uh, we just want to make, make it you know very official and make it something that was uh, you know understandable as to what our approach was I like that you don't mind people intermixing with other other groups because some groups can get a bit funny yeah absolutely they can you know it's uh, that's one thing I always found very curious about the field is uh, uh, there could be very territorial people involved which is uh, very weird to me because if we ever want to be taken seriously by the scientific community we're going to have to all work together in some way and standardize what we're doing because if we don't do that we'll just this field will never be taken seriously by the scientific community do you find that the um, the paranormal activity recently has um heightened more over the last couple of years yeah definitely I'd say so um, and is that because there's a more of awareness out there now with the shows and uh, you know how easy it is about paranormal uh, and that might be the case but you definitely do see a rise in claims of paranormal activity and claims of ghosts and hauntings and that definitely has been since I'd say around 2015 2016 uh, but I might attribute that to you know how easy it is to see this type of content on Facebook and social media or television that might just make it more aware for people to say hey I've been experiencing those things as well do you use psychic mediums or do you just stick to the science bit you know, we are open to using any form of investigation possible, and uh, we have worked with psychic mediums, and we are going to be working with a psychic medium coming up here in the next year. Um, 
and uh, we're very open to it. You know, uh, obviously we have our scientific side of our investigation, but we can definitely implement the spiritual side, and we have ways about going to try and monitor that side of it as well. Uh, just because someone's uh, a spiritualist or metaphysical doesn't mean that you can't implement the science with that and work with those in conjunction. Do, do you think angels are real? Because I'll, I'll, I'll explain that in a second. I think it's a possibility. Um, I, I think that if uh, people are of the belief that demons are real, I think angels have to be real as well. Because then you're thinking about things in a biblical context. You're thinking about things from, uh, again, a biblical context. So I think if you have one, you have to have the other. So I think it's a very strong possibility. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you why I mentioned that, because I myself had had a near-death experience in my life. And near-death, near-death experiences are, are very unique and kind of pretty rare, actually. And people have reported seeing angels in those, in those occasions. Well, I heard, I heard a woman's voice that I've never heard before or since, and I had an overwhelming need to wake up. I know people can explain that it could be a nurse... It could have been uh, someone I heard in the background. It could have been my brain playing tricks on me. I know that that, that science is out there. But I, my personal belief, and this is only a personal belief, I honestly believe that, that it was my guardian angel. Yeah, you know, I think that it's a very strong possibility for these things to happen, especially with angels and guardian angels. You know, I've done a lot of reading with near-death experiences and people saying that they've encountered what they would say is their guardian angel. People being in car wrecks or or very traumatic events where they were saved by an unseen force. Uh, That's, you know, a very common uh, type of phenomena when it comes to those situations and usually that's usually attributed to angels or guardian angels and that's something that would be a very interesting side of research it'd be very difficult to try and go about documenting that or researching that because it's kind of a right place at the right time situation but uh, you know it has been something that's been documented throughout the years and, and seems to be common when, it, when it, it comes to a traumatic event what, what, do you investigate locally or do you go outside your area? We investigate all over the United States and uh, we do plan on expanding to the world at one point. You know, We would love to get over to Europe, uh, parts of Asia as well, uh, South America. Uh, that would be the ultimate goal in the next 10 years, but we investigate all throughout the United States. Um, we only investigate historical locations. Uh, we don't do homeowner cases, so if we see a piece of history that we think is significant enough to lead to a haunting, uh, we go out there and we look into it. You know, We talk to the eyewitnesses, uh, we kind of put them under the microscope, if you will. We go out through the history, we take a look at it, and we go into the location and try and document any type of activity. How many members of your team have you got at present? There's five of us at the moment. We like to keep the organization pretty small. Uh, Once you get too many people, especially in a location, uh, trying to investigate it, it can be a nightmare when it comes to data collection. So we like to keep the organization very small. Each one of us have our own specialized, uh, specialized form of investigation, uh, be that from EVP specialists to uh, equipment techs. Uh, we like to keep it very well-rounded and, and very tight-knit. Do you build your own equipment or do you buy your own equipment? 
we do not build our own equipment. Uh, we buy equipment, but also having Dr. Harry Clore involved and him being heavily involved in the scientific community, uh, we get our hands on some really uh, extensive stuff, uh, stuff that the paranormal field doesn't use, and we try to utilize scientific instrumentation any way we can, as often as we can. So having Harry uh, a part of the organization really gives us an edge when it comes to the scientific side of things and using really, really nice pieces of technology that aren't commonly used in the paranormal. If I wanted to go and listen to any of your evidence, could I do it? Where would I be able to go? You know, the best place to do that would be at APRAParanormal.com. And once you get there, you can see all of our social media as well as previous data collected and our investigations and any news about the organization coming throughout the year. I recently talked to someone about orbs. I know orbs is a bit more controversial subject. Right, right. It definitely, orbs are a touchy situation. Um, you know, there's been many times where people report to see these things with their own eyes. You know, with the human eye, they see balls of light in a location. I think that that can be a common occurrence and something that does take place in a manifestation of an energy. But a lot of times when it comes to photography or video, especially infrared or, you know, the flash on a camera, that's going to more times than not be a bug or a piece of dust or moisture that's just reflecting uh, from that light. And uh, it's going to be something that's very easily explained. Uh, but again, not to say that that phenomenon doesn't exist, and there is many reports of people seeing that with the naked eye. Uh, I, I, what do you think of ghost photography? You know, I think it's real. And going back uh, many, many years, people have been doing ghost photography, uh, especially with infrared, which gets really interesting. It gets really, really interesting to see. But I definitely think that you can document the presence of a ghost on film or on digital now. Uh, I think that is something that has been documented throughout the years, absolutely. I did. I recently did a thing about Charles Dickens and all the ghosts in Christmas Carol Will. Because obviously Charles Dickens was a renowned spiritualist and a skeptic and quite a a good scientific brain. And he was also a member of the Ghost Club. Yeah, the London Ghost Club, that's right. I've actually done a lot of research on the London Ghost Club. I I love their approach. I loved how they really tried to classify phenomena and really get down to the basis of what was happening. And as you know now, uh, you know, you have groups that talk about, oh, it's residual or it's intelligent, and it kind of gets boxed into those two categories, and that's it. But the Ghost Club went way further than that. I've always been very fascinated with the Ghost Club. I've done a lot of research and based a lot of my research off them. Uh, but yeah, Charles Dickens, I've done a lot of reading about him and his involvement. It's very fascinating. Do you think that people, when they um, listen or watch paranormal shows, do you think their curiosity is enhanced a little bit? Even though they may still be sceptical, do you think they think, think, yes, it could be possible? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people look at it from, I think a lot of people really want to believe, you know, and I think a lot of the people that watch Paramount shows are watching that content because they want to have 
proof of their beliefs or they want to be along for that journey to say hey I've had these experiences and they're experiencing the same thing I have so it kind of has like almost a camaraderie a bit but uh, I think that there are some people that watch these shows that are skeptical and watch it for entertainment purposes but I think a majority of the demographic of people that are following these shows really want to believe and they want to have their beliefs backed up by these TV shows the only thing I don't like about the TV shows is, is, is they instantly get a reading, like within an hour. But obviously, you know, you could be there days, weeks, months, and you might get one just as you go out the door. Exactly. You know, and that's uh, a big common misconception with these TV shows. And you have people that go out trying to replicate that, and they think they're going to show up to a haunted place and uh, everything's going to be done and wrapped up within an hour, <laughs> which is not how it works in any way, shape, or form. Uh, like you said, it could take days, months, sometimes years. Uh, with Abra, we've investigated locations for a number of years and documented it for over five years in some, some cases. So you have to constantly observe these locations monitor the environment and try and back up that data with something that you think is unexplainable or, or readings that are unexplainable and you got to correlate that information do you, what do you think of people that go around provoking spirits I think it's not the way to go about investigation uh, I think it's uh, can be very disrespectful I don't think there's really a, it ever calls for a time to do so um, I think the best way to go in is to treat them as people, like you would treat someone on the street. Um, if you're going in thinking you're talking to spirits of people that lived in a former life, you need to go in treating them that way and not trying to get them to, you know, perform like a like a pony. You know, it's not a circus. This isn't something that's going to perform on command. So you have to go in with respect, and I think that's the best way to get results. What? Well do you have to fit what you do with your day job because I know a lot of people do this for nothing which just a lot of people cannot understand a lot of people think how can you do it for nothing it's just because of the love of it because you'll never be rich being a paranormal investigator right right no you know it's I have a day job and I you know I work I'm a creative services producer for a CBS affiliate here in California and uh, that's what I do for a living but I do the paranormal stuff because I'm genuinely curious about the possible existence of a life after death and do we go on uh, that's really what drives me and sometimes it's difficult you know there, you can go a year two years without having an experience or documenting something and you think to yourself sometimes what what am I doing why am I doing this but that that common core belief that I have of just a gut feeling knowing that something happens when we die keeps me going and not only that you know it's also it's kind of living history in a sense it's really fascinating to be able to go to these places and possibly you know converse with the past and that's another portion that really keeps me going with this whole thing now I'm going to ask you a, a question you don't have to answer if you don't wish to now you mentioned earlier about your brother's now, do you, do you um, find that when you look at a picture or uh, you uh, you go past a shop or you watch American football or a baseball game, you have a memory of them in, inside your head. Do you believe that this keeps them alive in a certain way? Yeah, I, actually, I, I think that's a very beautifully said. I think that that memory does keep them alive, you know, and... 
who knows? That may be in some strange way a form of communication. Maybe uh, you're being visited at that moment or at that time. But yeah, I definitely agree with you that that memory does keep them alive in some way. Um, it's a very interesting theory, and I definitely think that uh, it's something that does carry on their memory and, and make them you know, alive, if you will. But it also could be a form of communication, which is something I've thought about on a number of occasions. Yeah, I think it could be, because... It's strange how we get that memory, isn't it? Because you instantly look at a picture thinking, oh, my mum would like that. Or, or, oh, Dad used to do a bit of boxing or something like that. And instantly you've got, that, got them in your head for that couple of seconds. And also there's a phenomenon that a lot of nurses have backed up with me, that when somebody's in hospital and they're nearing the end of their life, they've had, they have like one really good day that they're... Oh, hello, John, how are you? And all that kind of thing. Have one super fantastic day that they can be great with their relatives and then they pass on. Right, right, and I've heard of that before. Actually, a member of our organization, J.J. Seacott, he's our tech guy, he's actually been working on a documentary about hospice and end-of-life dreams where people are having these really great days, like you mentioned, and they start to have their loved ones visiting them, and it's always a common dream that they have about their loved ones coming back, and not long after that, they pass away. I think it's probably, it might be because, although this is just conjecture now, that they may be coming back to visit you to say to help you pass on, because because it's a scary thing. Then they might be coming on saying, "Come on, John, it's okay. We'll hold your hand. It isn't that bad. You've got, you've got us." Right. Yeah. You know, it's. I, I think that is a very strong possibility. I think that it would make the most sense, and it's been so widely reported. I mean, for so many years, and and these are in situations where it's very controlled, uh, you know, situations in hospitals and hospices where they are having the same common occurrence, and there has to be something to that. And it would be really fascinating to be able to actually do some serious research behind that one day, and in those controlled situations, try and see if there's a way to document that. I I think it would be interesting, but I don't know if the hospitals would like that sort of information released. Right, right. It'd be, that would be very difficult and it would definitely be a, hur- a hurdle, absolutely. Yeah, because of the, of the fishedom and stuff like that and po- po- patient confidentiality. I presume that you, ha- when you have your cases, if someone doesn't want you to them to mention their name, you just say the case, but you go Mr A or Mrs B or something along that lines. Exactly, absolutely, you know, and sometimes with these historical locations that we work at, uh, they have, you know, common beliefs and experiences where they think a location's haunted, but they don't quite want that out to the public, so when we talk about that, we, you know, hide the names and we hide the, you know, what exactly, uh, what exact location we're working on, we usually keep that by a case file or a case number. I think that's important that they res- you respect that, because then you, they're going to they're gonna come back to you. Because they know that you are a, a respectful organisation. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely very crucial to keep the credibility and, and make sure that that you know clients is happy with what you're doing, especially when they want uh, you know when they want to keep things private. That's very very important. I'm trying to think ahead now. Your brain's thinking. Uh, now, um, 
do, do you have a blessing before you go in investigation or after or do you just go in and go out you know uh, for a number of years I never had any form of protection going into these locations uh, again I've always been very skeptical uh, about you know these events really taking place uh, but you know in the last four or five years I have been having my own way of spiritual protection I have my own uh, way of going into a location and making sure I keep myself guarded and uh, stay on my toes. So uh, before though, when I first got in the field about you know seven eight years ago, I just went in and just went in the location and left. Uh, but uh, I've really changed that point of view, and I definitely have my own way of protecting and guarding myself when going into a location. Do you sometimes think that when we do, you're doing your investigation? And it's the, the, some spirits are more responsive to, say, a female investigator. Yeah, you know, I have noticed that there are certain spirits that talk to certain people, uh, and that kind of varies between location. And sometimes you can go back into the history and find out about the event that led to this haunting to say, hey, this is, was this person in life, and it looks like they would be more receptive to whichever member it may be. They say that a female member of the organization. Uh, yeah, I have noticed that there are certain spirits that speak to certain people and are more receptive. Where is the most best place you would like to go to uh, investigate historically anywhere in the world? That's one. The Tower of London would be absolutely amazing. Uh, I would love to get in there one day. The the history associated with with the tower is unbelievable, and I just don't see a way it couldn't be haunted. Uh, but those two are definitely on top of my list. Um, another one would have to be. Uh, man, there's just so many that stick out. I would love to get into. I'm sorry about that. I would love to get into. Uh, one of the big mental hospitals over there in, in the East Coast as well. Uh, Danvers, which is now no, unfortunately no longer uh, standing, only admit the administration building. But if I could have got into the Danvers State Hospital, that would have been you know unbelievable. Uh, talking about a place where you have witch trial history, uh, you have the place where the transorbital lobotomy was created. Uh, that place has to be unbelievably haunted and now the administration building is actually luxury apartments so who knows uh, the people living there may be experiencing something and they might allow investigators in one day no I do believe that if you build um, take away a cemetery or build on land that has been haunt known to be haunted I think you are asking for trouble I mean, I'm a, I, I also am a great fan of ghost stories. I know they're not like like the real thing about ghosts, but I think they get you involved. They um, how to get involved in it. Also, I I have another theory, and this is just a theory that you know when you watch a film, say like John Wayne, just for example, because 
that's the only one I can think of at the moment. I think sometimes that the films are caught the essence of him. You know, like I, I you know, like, and I think it's possible. I mean, I'm not saying it is possible. You could possibly get a spirit about reading or VVP reading of the very old films of long gone actors. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think that's very possible that that can happen in some way. You know, going back and thinking about all of the time and energy and the passion put into those situations, I think that very, very well could be the case. Because there is a famous uh, Charlie Chaplin film. Apparently, there's a time traveller in there. Apparently, because it's uh, there's a lady holding like what well, looks like a um, mobile phone. I've yeah. seen that. Yeah, I actually have seen that. It's definitely a curious image. Absolutely, uh, but who knows what it could be in reality? But again, I, I think you're right when it comes to those really old films. Who knows what they picked up at that time? Do, do you think there ever become a time? Where we are all more aware of our spirits and ones that are passed on, and we'll be able to talk to them a bit better. You know, as I think the advancement of technology continues, especially at the rapid rate we're at now, I think that that's definitely going to lead to more uh, communication, lead to more understanding of uh, the energies that surround us on a daily basis. But again, I think that the advancement of technology is really going to make that something uh, a reality. Uh, I think, again, the more we have this going, the more we're able to look into energies and look into uh, sides of science we've never seen. I think that's just going to do nothing more than aid uh, communication with spirits and the understanding that that does exist. Well, it's like now, I mean, technically, I mean, this is very technically, this is my little theory about time travel. Technically time traveling, technically, because I'm in the future and you are in the past. Absolutely, exactly. So that is technically, yes, a form of time travel. So who knows what goes beyond that and what kind of information there is available out there that we're not aware of. Uh, I would not be surprised if there was time traveling going on and we just aren't aware of it at the moment. I think sometimes what we hear with, especially the spirits that trap, like the videotape, you know, like they, they play back the situation. I can't remember what the goat that is called. You know, where you go in and, and you'll see soldiers marching from one wall to another wall. Right, right. And it's like, a, yeah, like you're saying, like a tape playing back. Definitely, I agree with you on that as well. I think that the ability to be um, able to um, see ghosts or paranormal or um, UFOs or cryptids, I think that comes from early man. Because early man had to be very perceptive to his environment. And I think a little bit of that brain is still with us. Because it is proven fact that we have got um, DNA still in us that comes from caveman. So I can't see why we can't have bits of the brain that we could tap into. Absolutely. You know, we may not be tapping into it because of all the, again, technology and the way society works today. But if it's there... 
it still has to be there and tapping into that may be very beneficial to this side of things especially trying to go out and investigate ghosts and speak with spirits I definitely agree with you there that we probably still have that part of our brain that we're just not quite tapped into that could be very beneficial when it comes to this type of investigation well say technology is a two edged sword isn't it because if you use it for good I mean we wouldn't be able to do this conversation now because years ago, I'd have to write you a letter. It probably got there six weeks later. And then I'd have to wait for another six weeks to return. And that, because basically, it was a long trip. Right, yeah, it's just having technology, like you said, could be a double-edged sword there. Uh, like you said, now we're having this conversation with ease, no problems, thousands of miles apart. Uh, but yet again, technology can be used for other, you know, pieces of, you know, I wouldn't have, I want to say harm per se, but technology can be detrimental to society in ways. Uh, and also, you know, with the advancement of robotics and whatnot, you never know what could happen. But it is very beneficial if used correctly, and especially with the paranormal film and going out there and investigating and trying to document set phenomena it really is something that has to be used and should be beneficial to an investigation now if you could look into the future what where would you like paranormal to go you know i would like to see the paranormal field respected by the scientific community in some fashion uh be that in just a small way um we are heavily looked at as a pseudoscience which it technically is at the moment but if somehow paranormal teams throughout the country and throughout the world can reach out to scientists, medical doctors, various technical professionals and ask for their assistance and what needs to be done to be taken seriously, what do we have to do to get their uh, involvement and how to get them involved and try and see is this phenomena real? Can we document this phenomena? So I would like to see in the future some recognition from the scientific community and seeing some form of standardization with the paranormal field where uh, we're taken seriously, you know, and it's not a pseudoscience the way it is at the moment. Would you like to give any links again to where people can find you and learn more about you or if they ever want to contact you about an investigation yeah you know, the best way to find us would be aparaparanormal.com and that's all the same for facebook and instagram and and twitter it's all apra paranormal you can find me personally uh, on facebook or twitter uh or instagram just brandon alvis b-r-a-n-d-o-n a-l-v-i-s and i'd be more than willing to answer any questions anyone has and uh, share any content that we have now, before I go, I normally, I normally like to do a unique sign-off. What would you like to do your unique sign-off? You know, I would just like to say to anyone out there listening to the show, uh, if you're an investigator in the paranormal, uh, please seriously consider getting science involved in your research and reaching out to someone that could be of assistance in helping you achieve true scientific principle and stepping out of the shadow of pseudoscience and moving forward with this film um, this is my f- to you Brandon are you ready I'm going to do my uh, bit to you thank you for being on my show we talked about scientific paranormal and more you know it was such a great chat and I like that fact so thank you for being on my show 
Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. That's no problem, my friend.